Hello, Lee. Hi, Charlie. How are you? Hi. I've read that your love of jazz and blues started when you were around about 12 or 13 years old. Is that what most 12-year-old boys were up to in your neighbourhood at that time? Um, all my friends were, yeah. In fact, my childhood friend became uh, one of the best bass players in Europe. So, you know, yeah, yeah, I suppose it was really. It led from jazz. Uh, and then I got meeting various blues players. I got into what they call it, R&B. What was it about drumming in particular that uh, guided you to your choice of instrument? Well, I heard of a drummer, I heard a record when I was 12 by a guy called Jerry Mulligan and it was called Walking Shoes and it had a drummer called Chico Hamilton who later in life I was lucky, fortunate enough to meet and know and he was the first one I loved really. After secondary school, you took a path that it seems so many other musicians have also taken, and that was to head off to art school. Did art hold an equal love for you at that particular time? Yes, I wanted to be um, a graphic designer, and I went into a studio. And after a few years, I got to, lucky enough again to work under an American who was in London, who at the time was very, very important and famous graphic designer, Bob Gill, uh, was his name, and I still see him in New York now. Wow. Obviously a, uh, a very secure and a very creative job there at an advertising agency, and obviously was a very progressive one at its time, but it seems as if your heart was steering you elsewhere as well. Were you torn at that stage? Well, I about... tell it, no, no, by the time I left Bob, which we both worked for a big agency, I was between jobs. And also, I used to play a lot with um, jazz and, and particularly R&B bands. For some reason, because of Lex's Corner, I got on well with Lex and he asked me to join his first band. I, I became known as a sort of R&B drummer. And that's what the Rolling Stones were playing. And I knew them all individually at the time. So it was kind of, you know, I used to play a lot in clubs. And slowly, when I joined the Stones, which I was out of work, well, I was looking for another job in the studio. Um, by the time I joined the Rolling Stones, we, uh, so we got more work playing. So I played more than did graphic design. So one went by the board, really. I sort of loved the life of what I perceived as jazz musicians. I still have a childhood love of seeing saxophones and drums in clubs, you know. And, of course, Bobby Key's still on the road with you as well, maintaining that love. Well, Bobby is another, another side of that love. Your recollections now of that time, was the band dynamic significantly different back then or a, a Mick and Keith and yourself? Band dynamics, what, within the band? Uh, no, just, just or, the, or... not so much the, from a musical point of view, but just the people you were. Were you fundamentally now just older versions of how you were in your 20s? Well, I think we're much more mellower now. <laughs> Um, early days, Brian was very much a driving force. As I say, me personally, I used to play in lots of bands, so the Rolling Stones was sort of another band. I mean, Brian was very much uh, wanted this band, his band, the Rock Rolling Stones, to be. So he used to write little letters to all the clubs and promoters. So he was very much, uh, what do you call it, band leader or leader of the band. 
It didn't last long because he's not very good at it. He wasn't very good at it. Did Mick step into that role pretty um, much straight away? Because that seems to be the role he has. No, uh, I, no, I don't. I don't know if that happened. It took a long while. That I mean, it took a few years. We were quite famous by the time, you know. Brian said he sort of he, he lost it really, in many ways. And ultimately, of course, you know. the uh, the loss of Brian saw the the introduction of Mick Taylor to the band. And I've I've seen you quoted as saying that you think that you did your best music during that time when Mick was in the band, Mick Taylor. Well, it's true. What was it that he brought to the table? Because he uh, he always but seemed Mick, like the, uh, Mick, Mick Taylor. Mick Taylor. I mean, he's was probably the best guitar player we've we've had. I mean, Keith's the best guitar. I mean, he writes and his rhythm guitar is the best, but Mick Taylor's probably the best lead guitar player we've ever had, by a long way. It's great, Charlie, to see that he's come back into the fold and he's your guest on yeah, uh, the Australian. Yeah, it's, it's great fun. I mean, I don't know how permanent all that is, but it's a bit late in life to be permanent. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's great to have him. He's a lovely guy, and he always was, you know, but he wanted to leave and whenever it was, he wanted to do other things, and he had nothing to do now. And Ronnie is quite friend. I mean, it's great they get on because if they didn't, he wouldn't be here. You know, it'd be Ronnie doing it. And it's great. It's just, he's just I mean, the last bit of tour we did for well, London and America, and now we're going out to the Asia. And that, uh, Mick has been like a star guest, if you like. I think the word would be. And that's what he is, you know, he's not a permanent member of the, a band. But I think we're a bit old, really, to be permanent members. Ronnie, when I spoke with Ronnie yesterday, he singled out Midnight Rambler as being one of the many highlights for him of having Mick back on stage again. Would that be right? Do you see it that oh, way as yeah, well? yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. Yeah, but anything he plays is, 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 is fantastic. I mean, there's lots of songs he did with us that... We don't do, really, but um, he still is. He's a great guitar player for his ups and downs. Ronnie's very, very um, warm to him, you know. It's great. It's very nice. And it's great to play with the pair of them. Mind you, we haven't forgotten Keith, who's the pivotal one, but still. And Keith gets on with Mick now, you know. So. Well, getting on with each other must be a bit of a bonus, mustn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, but we've always sort of done that, really. It's been um, years, obviously, since your longtime rhythm section partner, Bill Wyman, moved on, but he rejoined the band for a couple of songs at that O2 gig you did last year, but then declined the offer to be a guest of yours on the American leg of the tour. He doesn't like flying, Bill. Even if he wanted to, he wouldn't do this leg. When you are on the road, Charlie, is it all hotels and airports and the gig, or do you manage to get a little bit of your own time to go and drift off it's and do mostly, it? it it's mostly that, but, you know, it, 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 um, I sort of, you know, in Australia, I'll be seeing some friends I know there from the horse world. I've already got invitations to farms. And also, um, you know, I might go into the cricket. I remember when we first went to Adelaide to play, I, w I went to the square in the middle. It was fantastic. Obviously, I, I'm an England fan, but I love, you know, I, I think Michael Clark's a great-looking batsman, you know. Do you know what I mean? I just like looking at him. Just moving back to the, uh, away from cricket for just a moment as well, is touring still fun for you, or are there aspects it, it, of... It was, touring was never fun for me. I, it's a, I don't like touring. I prefer getting up in the morning, going to my wardrobe, 
putting on some clothes and going to a little club and playing. That's my idea of heaven. Touring, I quite like going to different places, but I, I hate packing and unpacking and a different room every night. But you can't play the drums in your living room. Well, you can, but I mean, you, you know, it's it's a communal instrument, drumming, you know. It's one that you share with singers and instruments. So, you know, you, it's not like a piano. You can't play. It's boring to play on your own. You have to go out of your house or you have to travel and you know and we we've traveled and that's what we seem to have done that's what i seem to have done in my life with this band you know keith mentioned uh i asked him which song he looks forward to playing on stage and uh he very quickly singled out jumping jack flash and then he added something that surprised me a lot which was he's still trying to nail it which i thought was just a brilliant quote well yeah you know he wrote the thing and he we all are trying to do them. That's the thing with playing, you know. You, as simple as our things are, you know. Um, I still try to play like, you know, Little Richard would have done them, or, you know what I mean. It's like you, you have your people in your head, and you just, like Earl Palmer would have played, uh, Jumping Jack Flash. I still try to do it how I imagine he would have done it, or Otis Redding would have sung Satisfaction, you know. There's a lot going on on stage, obviously, when the band is playing. Who, who do you focus on the most? Who do you need to be locked into the most? Uh, Keith and Chuck Lavelle. The thing is, you can't follow Mick because he's all over the place. So if he plays guitar, you, you watch him. But um, Keith and Chuck Lavelle are the two that I have to watch. Uh, yeah, I do have to watch them. 25 years ago, Charlie, uh, one of your often repeated quotes uh, emerged, which was, being in the Rolling Stones was five years working and 20 years of hanging around. Can you update that quote for me another 25 years later? Well, yeah, 10 years work and 40 years hanging about or whatever. <laughs> well, we're grateful for it. The Stones have been a part of our lives forever and uh, we therefore think that we know you, but I'm tipping we don't really, but I sure know that we're glad that uh, you're heading down to Australia and to New Zealand well, once again. it's nice to know we're still wanted down there. You know, it's great to hear that, you know, you, you just... You never take these things for granted. The minute you do, it's like playing, you know. The minute you do, it's you're wrong-footed, really. Well, I think you've just inadvertently answered my uh, my last question, was to ask you about the secret of your success over 50 years, and I think you just answered that with what you just said. Well, the secret, I think the secret, um, particularly with Mick uh, leading us, I think is we take a lot of care about where we go, what we do, how it looks, you know, there's a lot of, I wouldn't say work, but there's a lot of things that go on to keep you looking all right, really, I suppose. Uh, but the bottom line is, you know, is it's demand, and if people want to see you, that makes you it all quite interesting and worthwhile and everything, you know. But it, it was like that when I joined the Stones. It, we've always had this... this enthusiastic following and, and it makes it because if you don't the, you just you know how many good bands do you know that don't play anymore and it's really because nobody goes to see them you know so we're very fortunate in that way and it keeps you it keeps the interest there as well well I'm very happy to hear that as well and uh, very much looking forward to seeing you when you're here uh, before okay. too long hopefully the uh, the cricket keeps on uh, 
uh, travelling the way we would well, like I hope it, it to. <laughs> hope it tips a bit our way a bit. You know what they did in England? They sort of overcooked the English. You know, because the, the 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 Ashes thing here, the three nil one, wasn't really a grubbing. You know, they were pretty close on most of those games. Australia had a bad session every now and again, which made it look bad. And a couple, of, there was a couple rained off where Australia were going to win. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't like the press, you know, and they built the guys up in such a way. It's always the press that do these daft things. You right. know, so Australia are rubbish. I mean, you can't say Mitchell Johnson's rubbish, can you? Certainly not. And, and uh, you know, you can't say half those guys can't play, you know, which is kind of what they intimated here. But, you know, anyway... Let's hope it levels out a bit. <laughs> we don't we don't want another five nil. Anyway, okay, I'll see you down there. Thanks so much. All the best. We'll see you soon in March, I think. That's wonderful. If we get there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> see you later.